Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm scared to tweet something out, knowing that there's so many followers. So I'm, I'm not very careful, but I just want to be like, I don't want to like mess up, you know, like just do something stupid because you've seen so many mistakes made by people that I regret, you know. So I do think about it quickly, and I, I know I don't go into that direction where I do crazy, but I must say I've really, like you said, I've enjoyed it. You know, I've come up with these like things from time to time, which have just become very like just natural. All of a sudden, I have time. I'm like, okay, let me see what's out there. And next thing you know, it became this interactive world. John Wertheim here, Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. I'm on vacation this week, but thought we would do something a little different. This is audio from an interview I had with Roger Federer almost a year ago to the day. Here are some outtakes. We did this at a hotel in Toronto. This was one of my favorite tennis interviews, and I thought I would share some of the highlights with you guys. So this is something of a Hashtag throwback Thursday. This is a year ago again, and you'll forgive the noise from the hotel lobby folks, but this is a few minutes with Roger Federer. I'm John Wertheim, and that's this week's SI Tennis Podcast. Where are you right now? Like, what's 32, 33-year-old? First of all, I can't believe how old I am. You know, like, when I hear the numbers, I'm like, I don't feel like that. Uh, uh, I think if you ask many players, time goes by way too quick on the tour. It's like, can't believe we're already in August, you know, of the season. Can't believe I'm turning 33. Like, it's it's all, it feels like it's, like, on uh, fast forward, you know. It always feels yeah, right, like right. it's moving along really quickly, but um, I feel I'm in a great place. I'm feeling so much better than I did last year. Um, family's great, and... Uh, I was happy leaving yesterday, you know, after being comfortable at home. And it's always for me one of those tests, you know, like, would I rather still stay at home or am I happy to go on the road again? 
and I was so happy to get back on the road again. And I have, you know, I love Switzerland. I was. So it's cappuccino. I had a, we had a great time there. You know, caught up with friends and family, and at the birthday of the girls. And we had, you know, thank you. We had everything going, but at the end of the day, even Mirka and me, we just love packing things up and just going on the road again, you know, and then come here and have been here in a while. We always see the positives, you know, of the traveling. Um, it's really mostly the pack, packing and unpacking, which is the toughest part, you know. Yeah, you must, The little you things must, uh, in the organization, you know. But I was thinking, like, you know, Andre, it's like, I fell out of love with tennis, and then I had to fall back in love. Like, have you, you've never really lost your... Never really. I mean, like, I, I struggled early on in my career in terms of I wouldn't want to go to practice or I would play for 45 minutes and just feel so flat or just like not enjoy it and uh, sometimes not understand why I'm doing this or can I not do it tomorrow, you know, those kind of feelings. And eventually, I think because I had so much of it between 16 and 21, let's just say, that that's when I had it. So I'm, in a way, I'm happy I had it so early, but at the same time, it was for me this... This, um, it was tearing me up as well. It was just hard, you know, because I, I would come out on court nine in the morning for practice, and there was the other guy, the professional, jumping up and down, already sweating because he's been warming up, and I'm rolling straight from bed, going like, oh, my coach told me to practice at nine, and here I am, and one hour later you're down six one four one, and the hour is over, and you're like, that wasn't worth it, you know, like what am I doing, you know? So it was, I had so many of these moments that. I guess eventually I just said, you know, like, I'm not going to waste practices anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to be professional. And in the process, I started to really enjoy it, you know. It's, so I think what Agus had later on, I had early on, I guess. I can compare it this way. It's really interesting. I don't know why. And um, today I, I love practice. My favorite is when nobody's watching. It's just like I feel I can really, I can um, be a clown or like I can... Be how how I really am. I feel right away when there is a crowd. I feel, you know, I'm being watched. People are taking pictures. People are filming. People are analyzing. So I go more into the zone where I'm like, okay, let's make this a good practice. Let's be. Let's try to work on what we wanted to do. And you know, it's not as fun, but it is. I still enjoy it. You know, at the end of the day, because I make people happy because they can see me, and at the same time, I can I can do what I love doing most. So. Have you? Uh, I was thinking most of us. You have kids, and you sort of have to recalibrate. Uh, you have to recalibrate your work day. I mean, is this has this been a big adjustment or no? Kids in general. Yeah, I mean, you know, absolutely. We all I think everybody who has kids, um, kids who like has to check things out again. You know, it's it's a, has a huge impact on your life. I mean, twenty four seven, you think of what are the kids up to? You know, like right now, I know what all my four kids are doing. You know, so like you just know, and you know, like in an hour, it's a different situation. Maybe they're gonna have dinner, or we need to put them to bed, or I would like to get back to read goodnight stories, or you know, you, you kind of know. So it's like these the trains going at the same time, even though you're not with them, you know. So I think it has a huge impact on on your life, and um, um, after all the sacrifice I've done for tennis, you, you know, you do the same thing for your kids. You know, so it's great doing all of it at the same time and seeing that um, we're able to stay together you know with Mirka and like really enjoy it and pass our values on to them and now it's become really getting into this interesting phase with the kids where 
you feel like they're becoming these little people and characters and personalities and now we can have the most fun conversations with them just before again when I came down it was unbelievable it's just the things they're saying and then the, you know the little ones are so little you remember you forget how little they really are but you uh, so it's, 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 good, it's good fun I must say and, and every city has different things to offer so I think it's, it's quite quite entertaining actually for us to travel when like you're, that uh, you're, you're a band on the menu you're not alone very much are you? Mm-mm. America used to be more like a person who needed to be alone from time to time you know just like go wander in the city just like get away and like just like go have coffee by yourself you know I'm like how boring is that you know like right. I, I like I, I love having people around I love like uh, having like an open house you know at the hotel or in my place people can always come around and I feel super odd when I went to Shanghai by myself last year or to Monaco this year and I get back to my room and there's like nobody there it's like like I don't know I don't like it you know so I give keys to my coach and my physio and like just like just come by you know like so that we end up hanging out together the whole time and I can't wait to get back then but uh, you know it's I miss the family but at the same time I know it's not always possible to be with them um, and that's fine but it clearly has had a, a huge impact but I'm happy it didn't sort of pull me away from tennis you know I, that's the first worry I had five years ago uh, no I thought it's going to have a huge impact on on practice you know I thought I was not going to be able to practice as much as I need to and then I thought my schedule was going to be maybe be cut by you know 30% or something but it didn't happen I'm playing full schedules and I'm able to manage it at the end of the day so I'm um, I'm actually that that was a surprise for me that it didn't have a bigger impact in terms of my my playing schedule what uh, all right so what did what's been the biggest What's been the biggest change, you think, since 32 versus 22? Um, well, the game has evolved, you know, as we know. Right. Uh, rack, uh, racket technology and also, I think, especially string has had a big impact. And then movement, because of slow courts and all that, has become more aggressive, especially the parallel movement. More and more guys play for the baseline. So I think I've had to adjust to that. Because back in the day, there was... 30% guys serve volleys, you know, the aggressive baseline are 30% and then 30% retrievers, let's just say, in a nutshell. And I would always play like the other guy played a little bit. And then next thing you know, it's like 90% are playing the same way, aggressive baselines. That's basically the norm now, because everybody has a good serve, everybody has a good forehand, everybody has a good backhand. Don't usually volley so well, but it's all pretty much the same, you know. Um, so you, you get stuck into the same rallies more often which in a way is more predictable, which is easier, but at the same time, it's, for me, not as fun sometimes as it used to be, where one day you come in, you, you play the retriever, one day you play the aggressive guy. I kind of like, like that change, but uh, that to me has been a big change, and just, you know, how do you manage your experience, I guess, you know, because experience can be a very good thing, but I feel sometimes it can also be like a hindrance, it's like, I don't know, you're not playing as free as you're supposed to be because you're playing the the um, the percentages too much, and that's sometimes no, that's yeah. And sometimes that that is not as much fun because you know like what the percentages are and it becomes too calculated. So I like to play free free flowing tennis. So I always have to remind myself to play like a junior sometimes. So what? Um, and I want to ask you about that too. But I was thinking, if you'd ask me that, I'd say I'd say social media. Oh yeah, just totally. What? Uh, no, but you've really ta- you've really seemed to have taken to it. Um, it took me a while, then. 
did, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it took me a while. late to the party. Um, I mean, I did start with Facebook slowly, and um, so it seems like I, you're really. You're, and then Twitter, kind of I started it last year at the French. Um, it took me a lot of convincing. I had a lot of uh, talks with with everybody. Just I wanted to inf- get informed. I didn't quite understand the idea, and everybody uses social media in a different way. I find, you know, some use it as information coming to you. Some guys really open and just say look I'm having an espresso right now which to me is like what you know like so that's just, that's I thought that's what I have to do and then I until people explain me no you do whatever you want you know like you then I just said well if I do it it needs to be me you know like I, I need to I mean I'm scared to tweet something out knowing that there's so many followers so I'm I'm not very careful but I just want to be like I don't want to like mess up, you know, like just do something stupid because you've seen so many um, mistakes made by people that they regret, you know. So I do think about it quickly and I, I know I don't go into that direction where I do crazy, but I must say I've really, like you said, I've enjoyed it, you know, I've come up with these like things from time to time which have just become very like um, just natural, you know, like from all of a sudden I have time I'm like okay let me see what's out there and the next thing you know is like I think it was in Wimbledon especially like I took a picture of the sky I was like well why don't send me your sky whatever and what do you see in, in the sky because I see this and they're like it's like 15 different things they people other, other people saw which I didn't see and like you know it became this interactive world and it seemed like a very friendly place overall, which I actually was quite surprised because... But you set the you, tone, right? What's that? No, you set the tone. If you Well, but then let's say I read the press sometimes, and now nowadays on you have the blogs, right? At the, at the end of an article, and those to me seem very mean oh, quite often. Oh, right, yeah. that, that's what I'm saying. So I thought that's how it right, is right. as well in the social media, which to me it not, it's not so bad, you know? It's actually much, much more positive. And it's actually super supportive, which I, th- I must say, so when you do go in, it's actually, you actually feel like, you know, people like me, you know? And like, <laughs> it makes me feel good, or people like what I'm saying, or people appreciate the insight they get, because that was my idea, to give them um, extra insight, which nobody else has, and... Uh, you know, um, feed them with something they didn't maybe know. So I think it's actually been uh, quite quite nice, even also for me. You know, because I'm really doing it for for the followers. You know. So I was thinking, like when, uh, when LeBron James, you follow LeBron, LeBron James is like a little bit. Picks, yeah. He goes back to Cleveland. Tony's very Tony's very happy. Yeah, um, I guess yeah. But it was it was clear that he really cared about perception. He really cared about how he knew how he was perceived, and he cared. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, are you? How much do you care? How how attuned do you, do you think you are? The perception out there. Um, like you really knew what people, what the criticism was. What well, LeBron, you mean? And he just wanted to make sure that he covered all bases, exactly. right? Yeah, um, I get that because I think it was very sensitive because it was his home. So I can relate to that a little bit with my situation in Basel, which I had a difficult one with. You know, the last couple of years now have been quite difficult for me. And I think when it involves something so personal, you become very... Um, actually, you want to do the right thing. Because that's where you do live, that's where your family are is, that's where your uh, friends are. And that's where you, I, I guess in a perfect world, that's where you want to be most loved or 
most welcome. You know, you don't want to feel like we don't want you anymore. So it, with him, it's more extreme because he's really going to go do it there and play. I only go there once a week now, uh, you know, in a year. But I can relate to it a little bit. But um, I think in his case, it has a bigger magnitude because of the Basel term is much smaller, you know. But there as well, I was extremely careful of what should I say, what should I do, just because my parents live there and I know how do we manage the situation? It was a difficult one, you know? So I understand where he's coming from, but you can't care all the time, you know? And I think it's, at the end of the day, it needs to be natural. And if, if it's too planned and everything, I think it, sh it shows, you know, in my opinion. But uh, I think I have a good balance, you know? So I, uh, as long as I feel comfortable, you know? That's important, yeah. What, um, wait, I want to ask you about, so everyone, everyone says, oh, it's, so efficient, like you know, it's such an easy trope, right? It's so punctual and so efficient and right. precise. But do you feel like your Swiss parent? I mean, do you feel that expresses itself in your game? In my game, like what, what's the effect of Switzerland on your? I don't know. I mean, do you feel like Swiss culture is part of your professional? I think our uh, Switzerland is a very interesting place, you know, because of the four languages we speak in our country. Um, I've lived in many places in, within Switzerland, in the French-speaking part where I went to the you know National Tennis Center, but then also on the border where you speak French and German in one city in Biel, where the National Tennis Center is now, lived in Basel, live in the mountains now, live in the, uh, lived in Zurich. Um, so I've really been around, you know, and uh, everywhere it's different. Every half an hour you drive, the accent changes, and I don't want to say people are different, but it's a very diverse place. There is a lot of integration from outside, from uh, foreigners coming in. We have a high number in, you know, foreigners coming in, so I think uh, who is the real Swiss? You know, it's it's a it's a tough it's a tough a question to answer, really. Um, but it is a, an amazing place to grow up in. We have all the opportunities in Switzerland, and uh, um, obviously my mom being South African, my dad being more from the mountainside, you know, towards Austria. I think uh, I definitely got the. Um, they were serious, but not not too serious, you know, and they gave me the freedom I needed. Um, so in that sense, I, I think I was very fortunate. Um, and I, discipline, I mean, I had, a, like I said, I had a hard time being disciplined. It took me a while, you know, but thankfully, eventually, <laughs> I got it, you know. Um, so I don't know how to, to really say. Um, Swiss's been good for me, I think, overall, you know. To, it's been always very supportive and they don't uh, lose it, you know, when you do something really big they keep you grounded and they want you to everybody's supposed to be equal and I love that about Switzerland even at the same time you think like why can't we be more euphoric you know sometimes why can't we like go crazy well we do sometimes but very rarely but we come right back to who we really are and from that standpoint I think it's actually a very comfortable place to live in yeah what about uh, I was thinking everybody the other thing is that he's so artistic right you always you hear that attached to you a lot mm -hmm. what what kind of I always wonder this what kind of art like inspires you like what, what sort of art do you like what sort of well like the thing is like I used to not like it in the beginning art for instance or I didn't understand how can you get inspired by things you know I, I really didn't get that for a very long time until I met certain people until I went to art galleries or uh, you listen to certain music or I'd be in the car or whatever it is, you know, like, and you just drift off a little bit. And I've gotten that much more um, in the last years, I think, more than ever. And I do 
maybe it's also because I feel like I need to I need more more motivation and inspiration to be able to perform well. Whereas in the beginning, it's just like you're so excited. It's like in a little kid in a candy store, right? You're like, I'm playing against the guys I saw on TV. So you don't need any more inspiration. So today, maybe I'm looking more for it. And uh, no, I mean, what do you like? Um, modern art, I like modern art, yeah, more, I mean, even though I like, a, I mean, I think it's unbelievable what they used to do in the past, you know, like, older things, you know, that, to me it's just, like, mesmerizing how they did that, um, but I kind of like modern art, you know, it needs, I need to like it, clearly, if I want to have it at my home, like, I couldn't, like, put something up I, like, really don't like, but it's supposed to be the thing that I don't believe in, you know, but, uh, no, I, I can really get inspired by those things in a way I can't explain. Um, and it's been it's been good for me to have an open mind to not just think tennis all the way. I think that's the, the one of the things I've done so well over the years is basically when I finish my practice, basically I switch off the what, moment what like I get into the car. You, what are like two things, nothing to do with tennis and family that you like to do? Like I, I always said, you know, yeah, you you're into this, but you have your own. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I, what are two things you like? I, for me, it's really friends you know catching up with friends and just doing that and then if I do have extra time it's like just sometimes having nothing to do you know just like going for a coffee um, when I'm on vacation going to the beach and just like listening to the waves and just like really it's very quiet because I live in this busy life that the more relaxed the more slow pace it is the better it is sometimes but then if I can do exciting stuff like you know go sledging or go skiing or the problem is now over time I've really stopped doing any sport all I do now is like I like in during women I played ping pong you know um, you know like you run around the table with my friends and all that I did I did that but all the other sports I unfortunately had to put on the on the back burner just because I'm just too scared to get injured at this point you know but I used to go play squash and skiing and badminton and basketball and soccer and just realize that my body is so tennis oriented that I'm just too scared now so and that obviously that took a big place in my life doing other sports and I've put that away so now it's a family clearly and has taken you know that part in my life you know what um, whenever you whenever the end whatever 10 years from now whatever it is do you is there part of you that says I did these magical things wondrous stuff on a tennis court I I did this magic on the tennis court Um, what am I going to do in my next phase that's going to compete with no no I, I don't see it that way I don't see like I need to come close to whatever I achieved on a tennis court for me it's like so separate like tennis is for me isolated it's just like this has been this most incredible journey and like yeah just something that gave me all these opportunities to to travel and do all these cool things it's been it's been quite uh, like um I never thought it would be like this way. I just thought it was going to be tennis, a little bit of press maybe, and like maybe the odd sponsor, I don't know. Like I didn't even see that, you know? And it's been so much more, so much more, uh, such a great learning experience that this will never, anything will ever come close. I believe that now. Maybe we do another interview in 20 years and say like, I did the most incredible things after tennis. But clearly, um, I don't know, I, I will do quite different things but I like to stay involved in tennis my foundation clearly is going to become 
I'll have finally more time to do travel, you know, to travel to go see projects and maybe do some more fundraising. Clearly, that's something I want to do. But then, as well, I've always been, as you know, been very involved in the business. You know, I've always wanted to know what's going on. I've always wanted to make sure that like everybody kind of knows, uh, like that we're the same, we have the same opinion, and like let's try to make the best out of it. You know, and so I don't know where it's going to take me. Yet. I I feel like I don't want to think too far ahead, and because the more I, I feel. I think after tennis, the closer I am to, to the end, and that is, that, that's not, I don't want to be there, you know, I can figure it out once I'm, it's all said and done, you know. But do you ever feel like um, you have all this, you, you were saying before, like you have the experience and you play the percentages and you don't play like a junior, but do you ever think like, yeah, do you, do you ever think, uh, I how to put this, when I was 23, I'm just going out there and I'm not, I'm just... Nothing to lose. Yeah, I mean, not every shot, not every point, but all of a sudden you're like at five all in the tiebreaker, second set, you know. I remember this moment, I think it was against Alex Radulescu in Toulouse, second round qualies, 98. And it was, I think, five all, maybe second serve, and he was serving volleying, I think, you know, first, second serve. I was like, I'm going to go inside out backhand like Becker style, you know. And I just like drilled the back in the corner. I would maybe do one out of ten of these. But I did it, six five, served it out, seven six, seven six, and I made the quarters. You know? Like sometimes I wish like that I still said, you know what, this particular point right now I'm just gonna go crazy. And I sometimes do, but it's more forced than back in the day when you just like say, This is what I'm gonna do and I know it's gonna work. I know it is, because I know I can do it. But I can only do one out of ten, but it will come right now when I, it matters right, the most. So how, how are you, uh, how do you convince yourself to do that? How do you sort of well, I know I can hit great shots, so right. because of its history, I know I can, but it's something that it goes against logic because right, well, one like out of ten back in the day, was one was enough, that's all you need. But today, one out of ten is not enough because you go like, chances are so slim. So it's, it's just the way you see it. And it's a, it's scary, you know, when you see that sometimes. So you, you can't overcome your rational. No, but that's where confidence comes in, and when you and that's where, you know, either we talk too much about it or not enough. But confidence is a huge thing in tennis or in sports in general. It's a hard thing to explain, but it's 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 really that that either makes you win or lose sometimes. It really is. And last year, for instance, I lost my confidence and just like instead of serving it out, you won't, or instead of making that break point you won't or you just won't get lucky because you've played too passive it's just like these li little you're details very, you know yeah you're open about it. yeah I mean I think it actually has much a bigger place in sports than we sometimes think it is same with home court advantage I never figured that one out I never thought home court advantage who cares you know like it's same thing but it's when you have home court advantage I feel like you dare to try things out and risk and risk pays when you, so, you mean and it may, makes your opponent nervous if he feels he's against the crowd and you feel like it's it's going to pay off if you play aggressive let's just say and the funny thing is at the end it somehow always does I would it's say funny, you have home court advantage very often every time you play you quite agree? often yeah quite often actually which is great so it's definitely been helpful to have crowd support how much um I don't know if you know. Yeah, we talk about sort of the, the federization of tennis. The federal what? So like, you know, you don't want to hear this, but you know, the federization, like, you, you really have a big impact on the whole culture 
I, saw, I talked to uh, Carolyn yesterday. She used to New York. Was the actor? Okay, yeah. She said, "Oh, no, no, Roger's so nice." Like, how much was this intentional? What about that, that your sort of ethic? I think is really affected all. I mean, how much of that was I mean, by was, design, and how much of that I was mean, just? I think I just needed to get uh, in check my losing. I just needed to figure out how to lose, not in style, but like keep it together. Because I used to always break down crying when I was younger. Until I mean, honestly, a long time. So that became obviously embarrassing to a degree at one point. And, uh, um, and the problem is like once you're in this big limelight, so let's say what like Stan is in now, or you know, like once you've won this big one or you've been world number one, you're supposed to always be humble and good. And sometimes I feel like it's gotten too much. Like everybody has leaned towards like, oh, I'm not the favorite or um, yeah, the other guy played great. Right, right. It's always the same thing, you know, from everybody. And I miss the feistiness sometimes because I do believe there is a place for feistiness in, in the press room, even on the court. As long as you play according to the rule, but for that we have the umpires that need to keep us in line, you know. Um, do you wish there was more friction? I th sometimes wish there was more, you know, more, more aggressive characters, you know. And sometimes that's why I like the guys who are actually a bit cocky or confident like I, I like that you know I think it's important to be as well I'm um, not silly you know but still really believing you know and I was like that when I was younger you know but I for me my hero was Edward so and he was very humble you know and even Jordan I don't know how I, I only know the surface of Jordan but to me he always seemed like he was style you know he was classy I don't know if he was not like that here in the States I don't know what his perception was but for me that's how I saw him he, I always saw him this elegant guy who was always cool in winning and in defeat you know that's kind of how I saw it so for me it was obvious also to wanting to be like that eventually and and um, yeah I just said like I need to not go overly crazy when I win even though trends have definitely gone the other way like you know when you do win everybody lies on the floor now runs into the crowd whatever I wish sometimes we wouldn't go so crazy because back in the day it was just a handshake and the jump over the net so I remember how it used to be but I understand that the pressure is so great on us today the focus is so big on us um, everybody's like what is he going to do you see other sports going absolutely ballistic when they win a point and we have only this one moment at the very end and unfortunately we miss that person to hug when you win so we're left by ourselves it's over <laughs> and it's like this weird feeling so what are you going to do so I understand that people want to share their emotions or whatever it is you know but um, you that's how I that's how I yeah of course I do you know I really do miss that moment that's why winning in doubles is actually sometimes is unbelievably cool you know uh, because you have right away that guy you know, can run to um, but I mean I just want the, the game to be represented the right way. I think tennis is a very classy sport. Um, I think it is important at the end of the day to stay humble because nobody is bigger than the game. Uh, the game will always be bigger than anybody because players come and go. And I think if you know that, um, that's fine, you know. But you're... Let's just talk. But you're... It sounds like you're... This is a, this is a different life than you led when it's... 10 years ago oh, yeah. when you're coming off of Wimbledon entirely and all yeah. but this is you're you, are you any less fulfilled than you are 10 years ago less fulfilled I, know, I mean it seems like you a very know. different 
your, your existence is very different. Whether it's well, I, I think I can enjoy I can enjoy it so much more off the court. On the court, I was probably enjoying it a bit more back in the day when I was you know winning five to ten tournaments a year. Let's just say now. Unfortunately, I don't win as much anymore, which I miss. You know, I really miss that feeling of going every second tournament, going on to win it and leaving with a trophy. It was an amazing feeling, you know, I must, I must tell you. Um, but today in my personal life, like, or just away from it all, I feel so much happier. I don't feel so stressed because I felt like this need to prove everybody and this running around and, you know, being invited to a photo shoot or a gala or the red carpet and it would all freak me out you know all this show business then, world back yeah back then it yeah, was yeah. really for me uncomfortable and uh, it took me a while to get used to that you know that attention and that, that whatever I said was going to be picked up and that's the reference because now you are world number one and now people want to know what you think about certain issues which has nothing to do with tennis and I, in the beginning I didn't quite understand that People didn't quite know me enough, so they would misquote me quite often, and I feel, felt misunderstood. So I would sometimes feel on edge, you know, because I was just not, it was just, it was all new for me. And I think that's what was hard for me in the beginning, but at the same time, it is unbelievable experience, you know, that wanting to defend, wanting to show it again, wanting to be successful, that, like that drive was so big that, um, you forget about all these bad times eventually, but now looking back, I remember how hard it actually was. You know, um, but but, it felt like uh, you, you yeah. like being you like being Roger Federer. Yeah, all that comes I mean, with it. Yeah, I mean, otherwise I would stop. You know, like if I'd say I have enough of this. You know, but I really do enjoy, like you said, the crowd support I get so often now, and I felt like I've worked so hard for it to maybe have it now, because I do remember how it was to play on court seven in front of fifty people on a windy day and. And it was so hard for me, you know, and then when I get got put up on center court or second court and it was so much easier for me to play, so much more fun and I felt like that's why I wanted to become this tennis player, you know, trying to play for trophies, trying to play for the fans, in front of those fans, because I feel that's what gets, gets the best out of me. Um, that's what I enjoy today because, I mean, I get center court almost every single time. So to be motivated this way is so easy. You know, whereas if they now start to put me on court four every time, I don't know, it'd be rough. Something tells me uh, that'd be rough for me, you know. So I hope the term directs are going to be nice to me in the future. Thanks again, everyone. That was Roger Federer again. That was an interview we did almost a year ago to the day in 2014. I'm John Wertheim. Thanks for listening.